You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Fed Chair Jay Powell doubles down on asset purchases, reigniting risk assets such as growth stocks and gold. But will his unwillingness to go all in on yield curve control leave long bonds stranded? For all of this and more, I'm joined by Real Vision Managing Editor Ed Harrison. Ed, how are you doing? Very good. Excited to uh, go over with you what the Fed said and what it means. Yeah, you know, Fed, this... uh, Excuse me, I called you Fed. That's how much I'm thinking about the Fed. Excuse me, Ed, today is a doubly important day. Um, We're going to talk about the the Fed, but I I quickly want just to say to the Real Vision audience that today is actually the one-year anniversary of the Real Vision Daily Briefing. So, uh, you know, a big thank you to everyone at home for for tuning in. Yeah, uh, I saw that uh, our our friend and colleague, Nick Correa, he's the one who pointed out to us that we've been doing it for a year. Actually, you know, I may, it may have actually even been yesterday that it was the first anniversary. Whatever day it was, I believe that we were down like 12 uh, percent a, a year ago. So, I mean, and we were in lockdown or going into lockdown. It was just a crazy world. Uh, I think things are, are a lot better. They look a lot better, a little more certain today. Completely. Um, and I think a large part of that stability in markets is due to the unprecedented monetary uh, stimulus as well as, as fiscal stimulus. And today, uh, that's a, I think that's a great transition to talk about Fed Chair Jay Powell, the, the um, uh, presentation of the FOMC that's been meeting over the past few days, was released today. And um, Ed, what did you make of that? Because I think there were some surprises, but at the same time, I think no one was 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 surprised. What did you make of that? Yeah, um, I think. Uh, it, by the way, just to give it the the macro view, as you're saying, it's it is good uh, that you mentioned that a lot of this is fiscal stimulus or, or monetary stimulus, I should say, because the Fed came in, you know, guns blazing within a week of when we started the Real Vision Daily briefing. And that that marked the low on the the um, S and P 500, the low on the Nasdaq, et cetera. So uh, they've been very instrumental in terms of engineering this uh, at least financial market recovery. With regard to the real economy's recovery, you know, unprecedented levels of fiscal stimulus as well. And I think that's where the Fed comes into play with what they did. I mean, my takeaway is that it was a nothing burger in terms of Fed action. You know, some people, including Larry uh, McDonald, who's running on our um, uh, platform right now, was saying that there's a possibility that the Fed would talk about yield curve control. The Fed might do some calendar guidance, but not this time. Maybe next time they'll do it. Uh, The thing that I took away is that the Fed basically said we're not doing anything different than we said that we're going to do before. But we are changing our economic projections massively. You know, they're talking about uh, GDP growth being 6.5% for the year, which is a massive upgrade. They're talking about unemployment, the unemployment rate falling to 4.5% by the end of the year from 6.2%. So 
massive upgrades to the economy, inflation uh, ahead of 2% projections, and yet they're saying it's uh, steady as she goes, more QE, uh, keeping rates at 0% through the end of 2023. So ultra, ultra dovish, and the market didn't blink by and large, you know, no negatives from the market as a result of that. Yeah, just to give a little bit of a price action um, of today, and this is a segment that I, I think we're going to do going forward on Real Vision some days. So the U.S. 10-year, it opened the day at, at about 1.61 at that level. Uh, midday, it was it was selling off, and it got up to 1.68, 1.68 and a half. Um, it did reach uh, uh, an equilibrium after the Fed meeting, and it's it's now went back down back down to 1.662. Uh, as we're recording this now, right after market close, I did think, Ed, um, that, that that was due to, as you say, the, the Federal Reserve repledging itself to its asset purchases, at least $120 billion per month, at least $80 billion of treasuries, at least uh, $40 billion of mortgage-backed securities. I think, though, the real question is about the maturity of those assets that it buys. Um, you know, a, a lot of those assets are... Um, in that early part of the curve, on the front end, the belly, and then the tenure, um, some some people were wondering, as you say, like like Larry McDonald and many others, is the Fed going to enact yield curve control, where the Fed pins yields at the long end of, of the curve? Uh, yeah, you're right, absolutely. That uh, Fed Chair Powell, he kind of punted on that question, and, and he said, "Look, the Fed has its tools, and we're happy with the tools now, and perhaps we'll change the tools going forward." And, you know, he basically dodged the question, and I'm, I'm interested to see. So if you look at a chart that we have here, um, the the IEF, the iShares 7 to 10-year Treasury, actually went positive on the day. In other words, that 10-year bonds had a slight rally. Um, but the iShares 20-plus Treasury, the TLT, the long-duration bonds, was actually down 0.7% uh, on the day. I might also add that the NASDAQ and the gold, and gold were sort of trading uh, very similarly. They both rallied as the Fed recommitted itself to asset purchases. So I think the, uh, the possibility of you know, the Fed reining in the bond market that, uh, I guess, reignited risk assets such as the NASDAQ 100, Tesla, DocuSign, gold. It's funny to think of DocuSign and gold as, as sort of trading similarly today, but that's what you have. But long bonds, Ed, what about long bonds? What about yield curve control? What about Operation Twist? You know, some journalists, I think, said Operation Twist. And, uh, I don't even think Powell, I think he, he dismissed it. Um, what, what's the significance of that if yields can continue to rise on the long end? Obviously, it's good for banks, but what's the broader impact? Well, uh, basically, the Fed said, we're not going to do any of that stuff. Operation Twist, all these other things to, uh, to uh, muck around with the market because we don't have to. And interestingly enough, the, the price action for today at least says they don't have to, that the Fed is saying, okay, rates can rise, but uh, we'll let them rise. And it, it's no skin off our backs. We're just going to continue to do the same thing. The narrative before today had been that, okay, if the Fed does that, then we're going to see a march higher in rates. We, we yet may still see that march higher. And that march higher would lead to yield curve control. It would lead to operation twist. But as yet, uh, the Fed is still playing chicken with the market. And let's just see how that uh, that pans out. Absolutely. And Ed, I just want to show uh, a few more charts showing just the, the sort of the, the in the derivatives markets and in, um, the, the sell off in bonds, because you know everyone knows, OK, the 30 year has been selling off, the 10 year has been selling off. 
But I think you know there are some important things in the euro dollar markets as well as the Fed funds future markets that I just got today. Um, if you look at the the Fed funds 30 day or the, the one month futures, um, that's sort of a weighted average of what that rate is going to be. Uh, in January 15th, it, the entire curve was below 20 basis points. Uh, now it's uh, go, going into the, the middle half of 2022, or I guess the, the middle half of 2023, it's, it's above 20 basis points. And some at the very end of the 2025 is above 50 basis points. So we've had a massive, I don't want to say a sell-off, um, but it, it's been you know, people basically betting that yields are going to rise. So it's not just in the spot, the underlying rates, it's in the derivatives. And then we've seen the similar thing for the uh, the euro dollar three months curves, where the, what the market is th expecting rates are going to be for the, uh, the three month rate uh, has steadily risen in lockstep with um, the, the the spot yields. Uh, Ed, I want to just, just talk about the, the dot plot because we have, um, you know, the, the dot plot from December of 2020, December 16th, and there it was five people of the, I think actually 17 uh, FOMC members, federal open market committees, who uh, expected that they would raise rates. Um, now it was uh, 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 seven of, I believe, 18 members. So there is some wiggle room uh, at the margin of some people on the board saying, okay, we're gonna raise rates a little bit closer. Oh, and by the way, four of them uh, indicated that they're going to raise rates in 2022. So even though Powell can put on a little bit of bold face and when someone says the word taper to him, he can laugh in their face, you know, at the margin, you look at the people on the board and a few people on the board are saying, hey, maybe we should raise rates. Maybe, you know, inflation is picking up. Maybe, you know, we should price that in. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's marginal movement. So five uh, to seven in 2023, and now we have four in 2022. That's still unprecedentedly loose, given the fact that here we are in the beginning of 2021 with the Fed predicting six and a half percent GDP growth and also ab above two percent inflation. I think that they're predicting something like two point three percent for for this year. Ultimately, I think that the question really what it boils down to is to the degree that people uh, think that the Fed is going to cave, what do they do about that? And also to the degree that they think that uh, the U.S. is not a place that they want to hold assets, what do they do about that? One is, on the second question, the currency is the release valve. I think that it puts pressure, downward pressure on the dollar. But on the first question, that's what we're looking to find out. How much higher can yields go and will the Fed eventually cry uncle? Will there be a break in the system? And if you look at parallels, the parallel I used to make is 2018. It took a whole year before we had some sort of breakage. So I think we still have a long way to go before we see any real movement here. It, the question is, how much higher can yields go? And will the Fed actually make a move in the here and now as a result of that? So these, these dot plot moves, to me, they're, they're relatively minor, and therefore, they don't have that much importance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads.
Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Ed, if the Federal Reserve were to step off the gas, and I agree with you that they showed no indication that they will, but if they were going to, what would that look like? Would that mean they would raise uh, the federal funds rate? Would it mean they would taper their asset purchases? Is there, is there something else they could do if they wanted to take some juice out of the economy? I think what they would do is, is they would say, you know, like when we think about the taper tantrum and we think about tapering assets, they would say that, uh, you know, to use Larry McDonald's uh, thing, we're going to start to give you guidance as to, you know, the conditions under which we'll do X. Or uh, we'll give you some guidance on terms of what, uh, when we're actually going to do Y. So X is probably more like uh, yield curve control or operation twist. And Y is probably uh, tapering of assets. So uh, with regard to the tapering of assets and actually getting a calendar date, that's what precipitates uh, things like the taper tantrum, because now you know that uh, they're, you know, they're going to stop uh, buying assets. And the next thing is going to be hiking rates. So as soon as they tell you what the timetable is for that, if that timetable is accelerated relative to expectations, then you could see uh, rates go up as a result of that. The other is, uh, you know, okay, in these conditions, if inflation gets to this level, or if the real GDP gets to this level, or interest rates get to that level, we will do operation twist, or we will uh, engage in yield curve control at the five-year, the 10-year level. Those are things that would happen only if rates go up enough that the Fed needs to act against rates. But they're not saying that we're going to act against a specific rate. They're, tr they're saying that if it goes to a level um, that's higher than the rate that we have today, we're going to act. So both of those are sort of like they're saying we're not we're not going to do stuff now, but here are the preconditions for if we do do something. And in both cases, it's the Fed saying things have unraveled enough, either in terms of the economy moving too hot or interest rates going up too much that we need to give you a little bit more forward guidance. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I was just thinking of what Larry McDonald said about forward guidance, that the Federal Reserve has to give very clear instructions to the market to calm it down. Um, Ed, if, if I recall from what uh, Larry uh, shared his thoughts to you, he, he, it's not, it's not, he didn't so much as say that in this meeting that happened today, uh, uh, Fed Chair, he is going to step on the gas. He is going to enact yield curve control. He is going to give all these uh, calendar guidance. What I gathered was more safe. If if Fed Chair doesn't and he punts on a lot of these key issues, rates will continue to rise, and that will be a systemic threat to businesses and to governments just be, just because out of the sheer amount of debt that we that we have on our books. Right. Yeah, that's what I got, and that eventually he'll be forced, and that he thinks that uh, if it didn't happen this meeting, then it would be it would happen next meeting in some capacity. Uh, I, I would agree. I think it, that it will happen eventually, but it, I don't necessarily think that it's going to happen in the immediate future. Again, you know, if you look at 2018, w w the way that it worked out in 2018, just so that people remember, is when we went into the year, the market was saying to us that we were going to have two hikes, 50 basis points, two 25 basis points hikes 
in 2018, the official guidance from the Fed was that we were going to have three hikes. And no, the market didn't believe the Fed. But not only did the Fed do three hikes, but as the year progressed, it started to do, use language to suggest it was going to do a fourth hike. And in fact, it did do the fourth hike in December. And it's when that fourth hike happened, plus, uh, you know, language that said we're going to continue to hike. That's when, uh, you know, the shit hit the fan. And that's when, you know, markets tumbled, uh, credit markets started to fall apart. And then Powell was, was forced to pivot. So that's the sort of scenario that I would expect to play out. It's a very longer term perspective. We're at what, 164 uh, something, 162 to 164. That's not that terrible. The next level uh, to worry about is 175. And then from there to 2%. So one of those two levels, I think, will be interesting to see, you know, how equities perform and what sort of uh, jawboning we get from the Fed as a result of that. Ed, what's your outlook on gold? Uh, gold shot up today, had quite a bump, as did technology stocks. The Nasdaq actually, I think, was down about 0.45%. Uh, excuse me, no, it was down 1.4%. And it actually ended the day in the green uh, at about 0.4% up of the day. So that's, that's quite a recovery. Obviously, you think of gold and uh, tech stocks, growth stocks, as having a, a high duration. Their, their cash flows are oriented towards the future, obviously cash Gold doesn't have a cash flow, but it does very well. It trades inversely with real rates. So what do you think of TLT selling off uh, while these assets, while these assets that are, you know, are kind of linked to TLT, to long bonds, uh, performed well? A, a little strange, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's just a one-day move. I don't, I yeah. don't really, you know, what happens in, in an individual day, I don't really make anything of it. Uh, it could be, you know, people uh, hedging their positions and it's just enough to move the market. But ultimately, I think to the degree that the market uh, is trying to force the Fed in one direction or another, eventually that's going to have a positive impact on real yields. And that's not necessarily bullish for gold over the short to medium term. Yeah, uh, I, I just I don't know. If, if Powell did enough, I guess some, some people are wondering if Powell did enough, because I was, I was looking at it, a chart. It shows it indexes the 10 year Treasury yield to, to 100 and it compares different sell offs um, and it compares it to the June 2003 sell off, the 1994 bond massacre, the April 2015 sell off, the 2013 taper tantrum. And this this sell off, um, you know, we're only four or five weeks in. It's, it's well above every other bond taper tantrum. So I think, you know, is it, is it, did you think is it possible that Fed Chair Powell does, does not take this bond sell-off seriously, or it, he thinks yeah rates are rising because growth is rising and that's good, or because inflation is rising and who cares? You know we're well below two percent. Yeah, I think it's the first. It's it's you know when you think about nominal GDP growth, you're thinking about uh, growth, you know real GDP growth, and then you're thinking about inflation. And what he's basically saying is. There's so much real GDP growth in there that even if there is some inflation, ultimately uh, it's positive. And and then secondarily, by the way, I don't I really care about the real economy. I care about uh, unemployment and things like that. So if the markets take a breather, that's fine with me. I thought it was interesting on on that level. If you look at the FT today, Martin Wolf he had a commentary about that, saying that obviously everyone knows. The market's not the economy, and so then the question is, uh, do we really care if the if the market falls? 
if the market, you know, let's say has a 30% correction, doesn't really matter, especially if the real economy is doing well. And the answer obviously is no. If the real economy is doing well, then that's what really matters over the longer term. That's where we want to see action. And so I think that's kind of what uh, Chairman Powell is saying, is, is that he believes that the Fed is doing things to make the real economy uh, do better. And that's why rates are going up. And so stay the course. That's the mantra that the Fed is trying to get behind. Absolutely. I might add a, a serious decline or a material decline in the stock market isn't necessarily bad for all investors. If you're under 35 years old, you're a net saver, and the vast majority of your nest egg you haven't made yet. In other words, that you you basically have have a you have a high duration in terms of your your savings. Uh, you know, if the stock market goes down, that could be good because you'll just pile your additional money into it, and then you'll be taken on on the the ride back up. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, it's like with the housing bubble. When the housing bubble uh, burst, uh, if you had uh, available cash and you were a renter, uh, you had stable income. Maybe that was a good opportunity for you to be able to buy, whereas you were priced out of the market before. Uh, so at the end of the day, you know, stocks are just a discounting mechanism for future cash. And what the Fed is saying, and I'm not saying that I agree with anything the Fed's saying. I'm just trying to interpret what they're saying. The Fed's saying that, you know, uh, irrespective of how you're discounting right now, uh, I, I discount in a very positive way. The trends that are happening in the economy now are very positive for the economy. And ultimately, over the longer term, you should suspect that that would be positive for for shares and for financial assets more generally. I think that's that's such a key point, Ed, and that, that's a great way to uh, close this this deep dive that we've done on the, the FOMC presentation and, and Fed Chair Powell's uh, meeting. By the way, just for the people at home, that this has been our, our deep dive segment um, that I actually forgot to, to call out. But now let's move on to our next segment, which is on our radar. So, Ed, we've, we've talked about the Fed uh, meeting. What else is on your radar in uh, business, markets, and the global economy? You know, interestingly, I'm thinking about uh, the runway to the full reopening because um, what we've seen in Europe recently, Jack, is a bit worrying with regard to uh, the lockdown in Italy and then also, you know, uh, case counts going up and uh, the the positivity rate for infections going up in places like Germany and France. Uh, they're ahead of us here in the U.S., but perhaps that's something that's going to happen to the U.S. So, number one, the U.S. is vaccinating better than Europe, and that's positive. Uh, number two, I think that we already see that the U.S. is growing faster than Europe. So, perhaps that means that there is room for a differential in terms of asset prices. You know, that premium that you pay for U.S. assets, it could be that 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 premium will continue because of the disparity that we see in growth. But also there's another outcome where what's happening in Europe actually boomerangs back and happens here in the United States as well. Mm. 
Yeah, the, the vaccine is so important. As you say, uh, the U.S., we are ahead of, of Europe, especially with that hiccup over AstraZeneca. I've, I've been talking to Max, who's been working with many of our British colleagues, such as Roger Hurst and Jamie McDonald, and he says that the, the phrase that they use is, is called getting a jab. So, uh, you know, I hope, that, Ed, that you're able to get a jab soon, if you haven't already, and I hope me and my family, I hope everyone can get a jab as soon as possible. Yeah, and, you know, the way that I think about it is in terms of hospitalization rates, and in America at this point now, the majority of over 65s, those are the people who are most vulnerable, have already had the jab. And if they've had the jab, what that means is the potential for hospital overload, the way that we've had in the past, has diminished uh, significantly, and death, of course, as well. So there is, you could make the case that, be, that the United States is running ahead of uh, the new mutant variants in a way that allows it to avoid the lockdowns that we're seeing in Europe because Europe is just not vaccinating quite as quickly and the variants, they came up on Europe a lot more quickly than they have on the United States. But there, is, there are scenarios in which, uh, you know, we reopen as we're doing now and then, you know, lo and behold, uh, at the tail end of this month or the beginning of, of April, we see a, another uh, sort of, uh, you know, spike up that really causes uh, the expected 6.5% growth to actually uh, diminish. And maybe that means that we see a, a reflattening of the yield curve. And we also see uh, equities uh, rotating out of the uh, the growth, uh, out of the value stocks back into growth because there's a little bit of uncertainty about what the long-term trajectory is. Thanks, Ed. My final question for you is based on two stories that are on my radar. Uh, so about $410 billion, is that's the amount of the, the stimulus checks that have to go out. $242 billion of that is already out. So more than half of the stimulus check money is already out to people. And then my second uh, story on my radar is that the IRS uh, for you know, taxes is planning to delay the tax filing uh, of April 15th by about one month. So uh, you know the fiscal authorities are sort of helping out. So Ed, my question for you is, are the dominoes for a double pop reflation re rally uh, being lined up? You mean more uh, a, 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 another boost to equities as a result of those... Uh of those outcomes. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't see uh, anything on the near-term horizon that's saying definitively uh, we need to, uh, to have a correction. Um, I, what I see as the only real uh, gray swan, if you will, is this, uh, this potential for the mutant variants to delay the lockdowns. But it seems like all systems are go with regard to the U.S. economy at this point. And if anything, uh, there's uh, upside risk. And that upside risk is being played out in terms of, you know, inflation expectations going up and then also yields going up. And, uh, and I think that that's the, the bigger risk at this particular juncture. Ed, thanks so much. Uh, I like, by the way, how you said gray swan, a smart move, because anytime you say black swan, someone's going to correct you and say it's a white swan. And anytime you say white swan, someone's going to correct you and say black swan. So good call, hedging your bets. Thank you. I like that. All right. Thanks, Ed. Talk soon.
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.